You are now tuned in to Cup of Grind with Jada D. This is your daily dose of what's real in entrepreneurship. This podcast is intended for the new business owner, the person with a really good idea but not sure where to begin, and that person working at a job dreaming of the day that they can work for themselves. It's grind time. I am so excited to be back with season two. And I had to come hit y'all with a heavy hitter, okay? A heavy hitter to really start off this season right, to really knock out the fourth quarter of the year on a high. So I had to bring in somebody that is literally going to knock the wind out of you. I am speaking of wendy nicole anderson over the past five years wendy has helped multi six and seven figure yes i said six and seven figure service-based business owners redefine how they streamline their day-to-day operations so that they can safeguard their businesses from inconsistent and disruptive practices that will stop them from working in their zone of genius 24 7. She is effectively known as the systems queen. If you believe in doing things right the first time, got a thing for logic, working smart, and a knack for all things lean and efficient, then Wendy is your secret weapon. Listen, some people call her the systems queen. I call her Miss Get Shit Done, okay? She believes in systems and processes that are the heartbeat of a sustainable business, but I don't even want to get into all of that because you're going to hear from her. She'll tell you exactly who she is. Make sure you stay tuned to the very end. Check it out. What's up? What's up? What's up? It's your girl Jada D, and I am here with my girl Wendy Nicole Anderson. What's up? Thank you for having me today. I'm excited. Yes, I'm super excited to have you, mompreneur, uh, Miss Get Shit Done, Queen Rebel herself. <laughs> I had to have you on here. Like I had, like I had to have you on here. So I'm really happy. Thank you for accepting the invitation. Absolutely, absolutely. So as long as I have been following you on different platforms, I've always been really impressed at how you really juggle everything. But you're always transparent about, you know, the work that it takes to put in to do it. So tell our listeners, what all do you do? Who are you? Um, Well, I serve service-based entrepreneurs um, who are looking to monetize their expertise, but most importantly, um, an audience that wants to be taken seriously. So they don't want to be viewed as a mom and pop shop, even though they are a small business owner. They want to operate with a feel and look of a Fortune 500 company, and they're trying to figure out, you know, how do I put these systems and processes in place so that I can have a work-life balance and generate big revenue without feeling like I have to give up a part of myself to be all things that I need to, you know, just really excel in life. Absolutely. So have you always serviced, um, service-based businesses or did you have to kind of work your way and figure out who your audience was? 
I had to work my way. So when I first got started, I, I fell in love with entrepreneurship because I started on the personal development path. At first, I thought I wanted to be a life coach. <clears throat> and when I went to go get my certification from Valerie Burton, she was awesome, but she didn't teach me the business side of it. And when I got into it, I realized I'm not really warm and fuzzy. I'm not a life coach. I'm more so like a consultant. My genius is looking at the big picture and giving my clients directives so that they can fulfill their vision. And um, I started hiring different coaches like everyone else does, but I was not satisfied with the experience. And it took me several thousands of dollars. I'm talking about beyond 50 grand to kind of figure it out. And once I figured out how to get to consistent 10K plus months, I was like, how come these people didn't teach me A, B, C, D, and G? And I realized they couldn't teach me something that they didn't already have in place inside of their business. And I'm talking about these were people that were making quote unquote millions of dollars. So as I've grown as a professional, as I've made a lot of mistakes, I said, I want to, I want to reach back and help people um, like me where, like where I was or in the thick of it to do things the right way the first time. And so as most people, I'm a bootstrapper. So I've invested my own money into my business. So I was like, let me put systems in place so that you guys don't have to work as hard. So it's just been a work in progress as to how I got here. Um, it, but it, it was really birthed out of my own frustration of my vision versus what I was offered at that time. So you said something that really stuck to me. You said 10,000. And for a lot of new and aspiring business owners, a number like that could really scare someone $10,000 a month, especially when they're starting out. So how did you get, you know, from zero to 10,000 to kind of the numbers where you are now and working with six and seven figure entrepreneurs? Well, for me, I probably have a, a disadvantage or an advantage. I, I'm a professional saleswoman. So there's a few things that need to be in place to get there. And it's pretty fundamental. Step one, don't be, don't. Don't set your revenue goal based on what everybody else is hollering about. You sit down and you write out all of your expenses and you look at what is required for you and your family to live comfortably and also require for you to manage to grow your business. So your business expenses, you take that number down first and then you double it. So like my average monthly revenue goal is probably around 15K because I need about 7K to just pay all of my bills comfortably and save a little bit. So I double it so I can have some cushion. So you need to assign your money to a goal. Like it's, it's hard to hit a goal if you're just saying numbers. One person's number may be 50,000. Another person's number, she may only need 4,000. That's the, that's the first thing. The second thing you do is you got to get clear and concise on who you are, what you do, who you serve, how and why. Are you creating experiences for the right client avatar? Do you understand them? Do you ha have your deliverables mapped out as to when she inquires about your services and makes the investment to work with you? Do you have things in place so that you can quickly give her what she paid her for and have a system in place so that your services meet <clears throat> 
give her whatever it promised her. Um, so those are the two things. Um, and then be, and then the third thing is be consistent. If you're not, um, seeing you won't be considered. So a lot of people think that business happens in a vacuum and they feel like if they only talk about what they do a couple of times, um, people will come. If you build it, they will not come, but you have to create experiences that you know that people want and need and that you're constantly driving traffic to said offer so that they can get enough information to make an informed decision and then become a client, a paying client. I hope y'all were taking notes. Yes. Yes. That was, that was good right there. So at what point did you say it's time for me to take a leap and do this, this full time? Okay. So 2013, I started out, I, I formed, I legally formed my company. And that's another thing, guys, please go take the time to legally formulate your company, meaning LLC, escort, C Corp, like do the proper filing, get you a bank account, get you an EIN number, you know, do all of the formalities. But in 2013, I used to be assistant director of admissions for DeVry University. And I was sitting in my cubicle and I just wasn't happy. Like my money was excellent, um, but I wasn't fulfilled. So um, I think my father had already passed and I was just kind of sitting there thinking like, I, I've been talking for years about I'm going to do A, B, and C. Um, it's not going to happen unless I start making some executive decisions. So I filed for my LLC and then, um, just like anyone, um, in life, life happens. I got laid off from that job and I was laid off for about eight months and I built my business then. And in that eight months I got pregnant. And then at six months, I actually hid my pregnancy and I went back into corporate America because I needed, um, health insurance and I needed to uh, fund my business. So I worked um, in that role, that new role for about a year. And then it was too hard. I am a single mom. My children's father is a truck driver. Um, so he's gone about six weeks at a time. So it's everything, all of my responsibilities are on me. I was breastfeeding. I was trying to grow the business. I was trying to hold on to that nine to five, uh, $38,000 a year job. Because I had to take a pay cut to go back into corporate America. And I honestly think I had a nervous breakdown. Like I, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it all. And I remember picking up the phone and calling my kid's dad. And I was like, I just don't think I can do this. And he said, well, if you think you can make the business work, I support it. And um, in my office here, I have a couple of whiteboards. And on the whiteboard, I had written on the wall a, a quit day. Everybody has a quit day. And I remember going into my office and I was in a high level state of um, despair. And I looked at the date and it was a few days away. And I had a talk with self. I said, Wendy, what the hell, you know, what are you going to do to quit this job? You don't have any, you don't have a real plan. You only have so much money in the bank. And then I had to be real. I said, if you go to work and you got terminated or you got laid off, Wendy, you have to figure it out. Why are you making this so difficult? And then I said, I just can't do it. And it was Tuesday night. I went to work the next day on Wednesday. I went in there late. The, the, the boss was like, what the hell is wrong with you? I said, I'm done. I He was like, what do you mean? I said, I'm quitting today. It's my last day. I'm getting ready to log into my computer. And I'm about to write my resignation letter. I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to go home. And that was it. Um, I, made a I made a decision 
to trust the vision that God had given me. My, my mindset was I'm smart, but I don't have time to execute everything that I know that I can do because I am exhausted. And then I quit my job. It wasn't shits and giggles. I was overwhelmed. I laid in bed every day. I got up and took the child to daycare and I never forget. I got like pregnant uh, four days after I quit my job. So that was another monkey wrench. And a few months in, the child care provider got onto my butt. She said, Wendy, stop bringing Noah in here late. You quit your job for a reason. Get it together. So at that point, I decided to start batching my days where um, on Mondays, I made it a day to do everything that I needed to do to properly prepare myself for the influx of clients that I had prayed for. On Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I made myself available to actually take calls from people who wanted to inquire about my services or who had paid me for my services. On Tuesdays, I blocked off that entire day to only work on things that would help me generate revenue. So sometimes you need to take time to do your presentation slides, record videos, um, sit down and write out all of your social media posts, write pitch letters, follow up with people, do your email marketing, you know, do the labor that's required to run your business. And it wasn't until I put myself on a schedule And because sometimes we can wake up and say, oh, I'm going to do such and such. Listen, if it's not on your schedule, it's not going to happen. And the minute I got myself organized, that's when the money started kicking in. So my first year, I think I brought in about twelve thousand. And then the next year, my only goal was just just to um, replace my corporate salary, which I left the first job. I was probably around sixty two thousand the second year. I came in at 62000 I, I matched my corporate salary. The third year, I did a little bit over that. I did about seventy grand. But then my fourth year, I finally hit the $100,000 mark in a 12-month uh, year. But it's every time I learn a new skill set, I put it into what I'm doing in my day-to-day operations. And that has allowed me to scale my business financially. Wow, that's awesome. That's great. So talking about the wins, you know, that's cool or whatever. But one thing we really try to do on the Cover Ground podcast is to hit on the struggle story behind the success. So let's talk about year one. What are some of the mistakes you made in year one and how did you overcome those? Not really trusting myself. Like sometimes when you start a business and people see you rising, they have a lot of input, a lot of, a lot of feedback. Well, oh, Wendy, you should do this. So w- one of the things that really helped me to have a lot of traction in my business, I created a program. It's called Operation Get Shit Done. And it attracted all of the right people. As ratchet as it may sound, um, I attracted a lot of high-level people because women were really tired of Um, going into programs and it being long and drawn out and not really being able to talk to the service provider and really being able to hatch out their ideas. And I got a lot of criticism and it hurt my feelings. You know, Wendy, every time we look at your stuff, it looks very polished, but you cuss and you're this and you're that. You don't always dress up and look as polished. But when we go to your website and your other stuff, you look like top dollar. And I let that get to my head. And I kind of stopped being Wendy for a while because I was trying to fit in and be and do what everybody wanted me to be versus what 
God told me I'm supposed to be for the people that I'm, I am equipped to be of service to. So I struggled. I struggled with my self-esteem. I struggled with my self-confidence. Um, I went into a slight depression. I went into, I don't know, I don't know. And that's not me. And at some point I had to cut the shit and I had to say, you know, are these people even people that I should be listening to in the first place? Are they someone that I aspire to be like? And no. And um, slowly but surely I, I've come full circle and I had to rely on my strengths. I feel like there is a service provider for every type of person. I know I'm meant to work with a certain type of woman. And if it's offensive to other people, then great. I'm not meant to work with you. I don't mean to be rude or repel, but if, if you're putting out marketing messages that are meant for everyone, then you, you have failed. Yeah, that's real. So what are some of the, what are some of the non-negotiables that you have when deciding on what clients are best for you? I don't want to work with a network marketer. Um, I don't want to work with someone who comes to me and um, they don't have a, a, a tested skill set. Like my client, she is excellent at what she does. She has high level thinking about whatever it is that she's doing, but she may not know how to sell it. She may not know how to crunch it down into a business. Um, what I don't like is when someone comes to me and they say, uh, I have this idea but I have, I don't have the skill set to execute it. And I really don't know what I'm doing. I don't really work well with yeah. that. That's not my market. That's not my market. But my, my clients are primarily, um, they come out of corporate America. They have a skill set that they have um, done for years and years. And they're ready to do something on their own. And they're like, I understand the concept of business, but I just know how to do what I do, Wendy. You know, help me. Uh, write the right pitches, help me to say the right things to get the clients, right. help me to put together my business infrastructure so I'm not running around with my head cut off like a chicken. Um, also, nonprofits. I don't really understand the nonprofit business model, so I try to stay away from things that I don't understand because if I don't understand your vision, I can't help you execute it. And then um, when I say network marketers, MLMs, that's a great business model for some people, but I can't really help those people because they're so stuck on the rules. They have to follow what they can and cannot do. And I like to help people build their business from scratch. And if you are governed by a set of rules that may get you in trouble, then my hands are tied and I can't, I can't do much with you. Right. Yeah, that's real. You know, you talk, you always really instill in anyone that's following anything that you're doing systems and automation. So what are some of the systems that you had to implement or maybe some of the people you had to hire, put in place to really help you as a mompreneur? So the first thing I had to do was I hired a nanny. I've had a nanny for the past four years. I don't have to use her as much um, because the boys are a little bit older. And by the way, I, at this time of the recording, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old and they're born one year apart. So I was pregnant for two years. Um <laughs> Um, I have a nanny. She comes over like I have these workations at my house or I have different business meetings. She'll come over and watch the boys while I tend to my clients. Um, one of the things I did early on was every single Sunday she would come over for four hours and that would be my day to properly plan for my upcoming week so that I can show up on Monday ready to hit the um, 
ground running. So my nanny has helped me as far as the mompreneur thing. The other thing that I have in place is I do play dates where every Saturday I have about six or seven different patches of friends here in the Atlanta area. We'll get together. We'll be able to let our kids play, wear themselves out. We come home, we put the kids to bed, we can either have self-care where we're just doing girl time, or I will take that time to go back to working on my business so that I can make sure I can provide. That's on the personal side. On the business side, I had to sit down and really define what systems meant because when people hear the word system, they automatically assume I'm talking about a damn tool or a resource. It's a combination of things. And so I took the liberty to to define what I feel like a system is. And I feel like it's a collective body of rules your business follows to proactively respond to daily and high level scenarios your business might encounter so that growth isn't disruptive. A system is an interactive responsive plan to protect your business from inconsistent practices. That's, that's what a system is. And then um, some of the tools. So a system for me is um, process. It's kind of like how, and a way about doing things is is what that looks like for me. But I use Acuity. Mm-hmm. It helps me track all of my appointments so that people don't have to go back and forth with me about my availability. Um, when people book a time to talk to me, I use Zapier to extract that information, to place their information onto my email marketing system so that they can <clears throat> start being nurtured. Sometimes people can inquire and if you send them out the right message, they will see the benefit and they will pay you before you even have to even ever have to have a conversation with them. Um, I have a system in place for my fulfillment. I use my email marketing to to send out the welcome. Hi, welcome to operation. Get shit done. That sets the professional expectation. It gives the client everything that they need to work with me and the capacity in which they have hired me. Four, I use Basecamp as a project management system so that my clients can communicate with me in real time and we can keep their projects organized and we can get stuff done fast. Um, There's so many different things that I use, but Acuity, email marketing, which I use ConvertKit, Basecamp, Zapier. Those are the primary things that keep my business running like a well-oiled machine besides stem cart. Stem cart is my shopping cart. It allows me to upsell, downsell, um, do everything that I need to collect payment. My stem cart also quote unquote talks to convert kit my email marketing system so that if you go to my website you click on something you pay something you automatically get whatever you pay for there's no me stopping what I have to do to go gen up a um <clears throat> a email for you to get it so I always think to myself what does the client need in order to be satisfied? What do I need to have in place so that the client doesn't have buyer's remorse? What questions can I answer for the client ahead of time that I know that he or she is going to ask so that she continues to be confident about the investment that she makes? What do I have in place to make sure that when this client starts working with me that Mm -hmm. 
she gets what she needs immediately so that she can start implementing so that she can get results fast. So when I start talking about systems and automations, that's what I'm talking about. And a lot of people struggle with that because y'all are so focused on front end um, sales, marketing. That's all great. But, you know, if you get an influx of 20 clients and you don't have a plan of how you're going to how you're going to manage that, you know, you're going to set yourself up for disaster and people clowning you because they're going to be like, hey, D, you know, you got my money. It's been about a couple of days. What are we doing? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've all seen that happen, you know, from social media, from our own personal experiences where um, people did not receive the products in which they paid for and, you know, really ranting about it. But so that's definitely really good. So. You know, a lot of times when you decide to do something new, launch a new project and definitely launch a new business, there are going to be people around you in your immediate circle, your family, extended family and friends that really can't understand why you're doing what you're doing. You'll probably hear things like, well, why are you leaving that good job? So how did you handle taking your leap of faith? How did you handle your family and friends when you made that leap and kind of the conversation around that for first of all I didn't tell even though I was grown as hell like in my middle 30s I didn't tell them anything because I knew it was going to come with some type of black backlash and I'm a homeowner too so they were I knew they were going to be talking crazy to me about well how are you going to pay the mortgage and blah 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 blah, blah. I didn't mm-hmm. say anything I kept it to myself and I kept my head in the game because one family member in particular pissed me off to the hide and she her comment to me was well, Wendy, you have Noah to think about. And I thought, that's why the fuck I quit. Correct. Because I do have my child to think about. And I want to, I'm, as a single mom, I can't work a job and get off at on time to pick them up from school to be there at their after school events or anything because I'm going to be stuck in traffic half the time. I'm going to incur late fees or and I'm going to have to pay the nanny more money to to run those errands. And that's just not in my budget. But when the conversation did finally come around and they started to drill me about it, I just told them I got this. I'm smart. If I need any help, I I will know what to do to get myself out of the pickle. Don't put yourself in a bind thinking about I'm going to be hitting up your pocketbooks. I haven't asked you for money so far. I'm not about to start to ask. If you don't have anything nice to say to me, keep your mouth closed. Yeah, that's real. I, I completely agree with what you said. And, you know, I've had to I had to say the same thing to people as well as really advise and coach people. To, to have the same mindset um, when doing things because a lot of people will project their fears onto you um, and really try to put you into a box that you have never set for yourself. So kudos right, to you. Right. You know, one thing I, w- I would love to know is what are some business lessons that your children have really taught you? They taught me that material things aren't important. Um, they want to know that you love them. Get out. Hold on. Hold on. Get out now. Get out! Get out! Okay, get out! And the tiny humans came in to to interrupt. So that's part of my life. Um, like last night, we were at home and um, we were laying up in the bed, and Noah came in here, the five year old, and 
he was snuggled up up by me and it's been a long time since I've even put the dog in the bed it's really been a struggle trying to figure out this single mama thing (laughs) and I've neglected the doggone dog forever and in that in a in a spare moment last night I was reminded that all, all your children want is you but if you are not in a healthy clear mindset you can't give them the love and affection that they need because you're worried about all of the things that are required of you as a responsible adult. And I said to myself, if I can just figure out two or three hours per day that I can unplug from worrying about bills, worrying about putting out fires and one adhere to self-care where I center myself and take some time to show gratitude because there's a lot of people who wish they had the life that I have and they don't have the courage yet to step out on faith and my my children have taught me to really um, live in the moment to just cherish the things that we do and it's the things that are free that are filled that are filled with so much joy and affection um, the best thing that I can do as a mom is take care of myself and, and, and be of sound mind and body and be patient with them. Um, that's what they have taught me. It's not the money. It's not the accolades that I can um, accumulate. It's about am I giving them a great education? Am I taking the time and sitting down and doing the homework? Am I listening? Am I paying attention to the things that they are not seeing? Because they're still little. They're still not able to quite 100% articulate what's going on. So it is my responsibility to pay attention to any potential behavioral patterns and be able to address it when I see it pop up. I like to do something what I call the um, Mogul Mountain Rushmore. So what are, who are four people dead or alive that have influenced you um, in business? Mm, four, dang, you said four? Lord, help me. <laughs> uh, I would say one, my dad. He was not a business person, but the principles that he taught me early on have definitely been a staple in how I manage around my business and the principles that I teach uh, my children Um Early on at the age of 10, he taught me how to balance a checkbook. And, you know, most black families, they don't talk finance with their children. And I think that's a detriment. And I knew at 10 years old how, how much my parents' mortgage was. And that has set the tone for the rest of my life and his work ethic. Um, he taught me, you know, hey, I can pay for A, B, and C, but if I don't um, do this overtime, Nicole, he would call me by my middle name, then I'm not going to be able to give you what you asked me for. So he's taught me what discipline meant, and that has that really mm-hmm. separates me from a lot of people. The second person that has inspired me is one of my coaches, is Rachel Rogers. Um, she taught me how to put together a framework um, early last year so that I wouldn't have to work so hard. And she's, she's helped me to see how I can distill my genius down into actionable steps um, to help my clients reach their goals. And in return, I've been able to rub that off on my clients. Um, the third person that has, I'm trying to think, I don't really look. I don't know if I really have other than that moguls that I look to. I think there's a lot of people in the marketplace that um, 
inspire me. But um, I think other than that, I think anything else that I would say to you would just be telling you a name just to fill in that other two slots. I think that I take inspiration from, oh, I, I know I love Nicole Walters. Sorry, I do, I do love her. I like how she's a ball of damn energy and she's, I'm not religious, but she's a Christian and she's unapologetic about it. But I like how she shows me what's possible. Um, I like how she's crisp and professional, but full of personality. Um, she is an excellent storyteller. Um, she knows her stuff and she's a true professional. I think the marketplace is played with a lot of people who don't have business fundamentals down to a science and they're trying to teach it. But I can, I just like her style of how she, how she does what she does and her following is truly genuine. Um, that's another person that I'm like, Hey, if I want to be like anybody, I'm going to be like Nicole. That's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> no, seriously. We get inspiration from different places and people. So I completely understand. This has been such an amazing and impactful conversation. You really left us with a lot of nuggets. So I really hope people were taking notes and writing things down. So where can we find you on the internet and where can we book you so we can get shit done? You can find me at wendynicoleanderson.com. And my new saying is business growth moves at the speed of implementation. Stop operating your business like an amateur and automate your business so that you can serve more clients in less time and increase your profits. Hey, I appreciate you so much for being on a cup of grind, man. This has been dope. Like, I love you so much. I thank you for all that you give to the world. And I can't wait to see what's next. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun.